So grateful for the opportunity that Pastor Rob and Becca um, have just believed in us. Pastor Rob, I've been privileged to work at the church since 2004, and so I was the youth pastor here, and now I get to be campus pastor in Woodbury, and so it's just an awesome opportunity, yes, to, that Pastor Rob just believed in us, like from the get-go. He took a chance on, on me as a young youth pastor, and now I have the privilege of being here, and I just honor him, and I just am grateful for him and Becca and just them inspiring us. Obviously, we're one church, multiple locations. If you haven't had a chance to check out the wall. There are all of our locations are out there listed. And, and uh, if you have family or friends that might be interested, it's just cool to know where those spaces are. And what we do is we do video every, uh, usually every weekend. Pastor Rob will share a message. Um, so we'll hear from him. We have guest speakers that come once in a while that we'll have. For example, we saw John Maxwell from John Maxwell to Kirk Cousins. We have people coming into church being able to share. Funny, there's no Aaron Rodgers coming in since we're so close to Wisconsin. So he must not be good enough to be able to be up on here. It's fine though. Just kidding. I can't joke like that. Now that we're in Woodbury, it's too, it, hits, it hits a little close to the heart, so I apologize that. But hey, it's great. We've got, so we have special speakers, and then as campus pastors, we all get to share and have a moment where we get the opportunity to say, hey, can we go in and can we share and can we have an opportunity? Pastor Rob always gives us weekends to share, and it's really awesome that we have a chance to share this weekend. You obviously met Heidi, the amazing Heidi, my wife. She uh, works at Edward Jones. She has been, she's a full-time working uh, mom as well as pastor's wife. So we've been married 22 years, which is pretty awesome. Awesome. So we're grateful for that. God has blessed us, which is amazing. My two um, amazing kids, Magnus is serving in Go Kids, who's 12, my middle schooler, and my teenager, Anya. So, hey, Anya, she knows we have the best time together, and I love our family. It's so fun to be able to hang out together, and, and it's great. And, you know, a little interesting, uh, some little interesting bits about Heidi and myself is not only have we been married 22 years, but we love going to fun little coffee shops. So if we go on vacation, we don't go to the touristy spots. We go to those little out-of-the-way places so we can find out and see, oh, where's that? Let's find out where the cool spots are so we can zip coffee, drink coffee and zip around and see things. And we kind of find our spot that we have, which is always great. Also, we love going to concerts. We've been, we went to Coldplay in Phoenix. We went to Hillsong a couple of months ago. We love live music concerts. And that's why we put so much energy into our worship here. Isn't our worship just amazing? I mean, come on, it's good. I know we always praise God and clap for God, but once in a while, we gotta get a clap to our amazing worship team and Miranda and the team. We love them and we put a lot of energy into that. We love biking. We love going on bike rides. Heidi and I, you'll find us biking around Woodbury and the cities and some of the different stuff like that. We are cake connoisseurs, actually. We do have, as being cake connoisseurs, of course, you know, we have the running count of the best bakeries in the tri-state area. You can ask us, it's fine. Clearly, we love our baked goods around here, which is fine. Um, I mean, you could say, we love watching house rental shows. I mean, I guess you could say we finish each other's sandwiches and that's a good thing for us as, as, uh, over as a married couple. Um, but we're also very different is that Heidi, she is a night person and I am a morning person. So obviously I'll be like, honey, we need to go to bed. And she's like, I'm just hitting my stride. I got to clean this kitchen tonight. I'm about to reorg. I'm just like too much Chip and Joanna Gaines going on over on this side of the room with her. So it's fine, but she'll do that. She's the perfectionist. I am the big picture. So how do I know this? Because when I have to do a house reno and I try to chip gains it, she comes in, I go, does this look great? And she'll go and say, Alan, she'll say it to me. She'll say, I, she'll say, I and every single day for the rest of my life, I'm going to see that tiny, tiny little hole right there. And I said, no one's going to see it. She goes, but I'll see it every day for the rest of our natural born lives. I said, 
Fine, I'll fix it. It's fine. Um, I'm spontaneous. She is uh, very much the planner. I am extroverted. She's introverted. Um, she binge watches This Is Us ahead of schedule so that she now suddenly knows four episodes ahead and doesn't wait for me. How many of you guys got that spouse that binge watches like four or five episodes ahead? You're like, come on. Can you wait one second, right? Can you just wait up? So, so she does that. So that's awesome. Um, she loves to bake. I love to eat. We've covered that. And then also, um, she's the one. She's the one that thinks Magnus will get hurt if he doesn't wear a helmet. And I'm like, I grew up not wearing helmets. I'm 48 and a half years old. We didn't wear helmets back in the day. And then here I am finding myself in the middle of the ER with my son with a concussion because why? She didn't wear. He didn't wear a helmet. So basically, Magnus. Uh, we had that whole incident happen with my middle schooler. So I guess I could say this. There are times that my wife and I are in sync and we're sharing the same brain and it's amazing and marriage is bliss and life is good. And then you get those times where all of a sudden you're like, she's seeing something that I'm seeing something different. She's doing this and I'm doing that. And there's those moments when we think differently about our situation. Our, our marriage is good, but then there's times when we drift into different mindsets and different perspectives on things. And that happens. And that is a situation that happens. I mean, that can happen in work relationship. It can happen with friendship. It can happen with family, sibling relationships. It's easy to drift into the wrong mindset. It's easy to drift into bad, to bad thinking, which we all know. And so we've got to take a moment. And as we're thinking about this thing, how do you stay in that place of, 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 of thinking to yourself and getting in that place of saying, we need to drift back into right thinking about our marriage, right thinking about our lives, right thinking about how we're doing our family, right thinking about how we're doing with our kids. And, and we begin to think about that. And sometimes that takes work because it's easy to drift off course and it, sometimes it takes work. And I've realized that um, as we're getting ready to open up this series, um, it's gonna, we're going to be talking about, and this will be the phrase I'm going to throw out to you today, it's impossible to live the right life with the wrong mindset. It's impossible to live the right life if you have the wrong mindset. And I want to challenge us with that thought. And how do I know this? Think of the Olympians for a moment. There is, uh, there's a practice that the Olympians have that uh, it's called mental, the mental simulation. It's what they do. They call mental simulation. And there was, an, there was a New York Times article I was reading about, uh, about Lyndon Rush who arrived in Sochi and he was sitting in a Munich, he was sitting in a Munich airport and it was a sitting in this Munich airport. His eyes were open, but what he was doing is he was beginning to visualize he was beginning to think through the course and, and the reporter was talking with him and looking at him and he was just looking and they were looking, going like this. He was mentally going through the course so that he could win the gold. And all Olympic, many Olympic athletes go in and they'll say, hey, you know what? We have to do some visualization. We have to go in. We got to do some mental simulation. And I began to think about that. What if we started thinking like an Olympian? Because those Olympians are thinking about their disciplines. They're thinking about their decisions. They're filling their mind with the best way to win, right? What if Christians thought like that? What if you began to see yourself rather than as a victim, you were a victor? What if you began to see yourself that if Jesus was victorious on the cross? And so Paul says to Jesus, he's just like, hey, think, Paul and Jesus are speaking. What if you thought differently about your situation because it's impossible to live the right life with the wrong mindset? And what I want us to, we're gonna be talking about mindset today. We're gonna be talking about what does it mean to think good thoughts? In Philippians, we're gonna get to that verse and it says this, if you open up in Philippians 4, 8. 
As you're turning there, it'll be on the screen in just a moment, but there's something special about the brain. There's something interesting about the brain that you might not know. It's a term I'm going to introduce to you. It's called neuroplasty. And what neuroplasty does, it says this. It says that your brain has, is, is, is almost like a freshly, uh, a fall. you know, in Minnesota, we get the freshly fallen snow where you look out and it's just like, look at this beautiful fallen snow. You're like, really? You're bringing up snow? We're dusting out of the summer. Don't, don't, don't scar me for life with pushing us into winter. It's fine. Just roll with this for a second. Think of a beautiful Minnesota crisp winter's day and the snowfall came and you've got this blanket landscape. And what neuroplasty is, is like this in the brain. It's suddenly, it's like my son, when he is, when he's 12 years old going to the school bus, I've got a sidewalk that is poured that goes out of my front door that I have cleared for, 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 for my family so that they don't die in the harsh wilderness. I have, bl- I have gone in, I have, I've shoveled, I don't, I don't have a snowblower. I'm not quite that advanced as all you other dads out there. But I'll go in, I'll go in, I will shovel that sidewalk and I'll say, there you go, children, on your way to walk to school today. And please enjoy my freshly plowed sidewalk. And what does my son do? He goes in, dad, I got to go to the bus. And he starts running. He just goes in and makes this giant thing. And he just blazes his own trail to go out of the bus stop. And when he comes back, what does he do with the sidewalk? You know what he does? He'll just go slosh it in through all of the snow and he t- comes in and he follows that path and that path becomes his normal path for the rest of the winter that he takes that path, right? And I'm like, son, I said, you have shoveled this walk because I'm not doing it. You're 12 now. You're going to learn how to take care of the house with me. So let's go. And he goes, hey, and he goes, dad, he goes, I just got to get to the bus stop. So he makes his own way. Neuroplasty is when you think about a certain, your brain is this freshly fallen snow and you think about something and how you think about a situation is you'd build a neurological path in your brain just like those footsteps in the snow. And you begin, and once that path is formed in your brain, that is now how your brain will think. So when you get surrounded in culture by what culture thinks about things, now let's put it in the culture. When culture says, hey, you know what? Vaping, everybody vapes. What's the big deal? Teenagers vaping, everybody vapes. And you think, well, wait a second. If everybody's so, and your brain is just thinking that, what's wrong with it? Everybody, then you start going in, you start building this path, this path in this thing. You think, I mean, vaping's okay. Everybody, if sex before marriage isn't a big deal. Why is everybody freaking out about sex before marriage? Look, I watch TV, I watch the CW, I'm watching all this movies. Everybody has, and your brain starts forming this path where it becomes normal to think that that's okay. All of a sudden, you're talking in, you're like, oh, this is how we do things in our family. This is how we think. This is everybody, you know, if you get, if my marriage is boring, you know what, maybe there's something else. And you start building these paths in your brain. And when Jesus comes on the scene, when Paul comes on the scene, Paul is trying to say to us, hey, look, there's another way to think. There's another way to think. There's another way to view your relationships, to view your, your, your time in high school, to view your friendships in high school, to view, to, to view the conflict, to view, to view your work environment. There's other ways. And Jesus is like, I've made a path and made a way. You need to take this way. You need to forge a new path. You need to follow this path instead. And so that's what it happens. So there, it's called transformation. There's a verse in the Bible in Romans 12, and it speaks this way before we even get to our text. We'll get there in one second. It says, in Romans 12, it says, um, do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That literally means don't be conformed following the foot, that, that snowy footstep path that leads you down the same result that you don't like, that's messing with your life and wrecking with your life. But God says, be transformed. Renew your mind means there's a path that you're supposed to follow. 
There's a path that your brain is going to think about. And this is its path. And it's the way and the truth and the life. And it's the words of Jesus. It's the words of scripture. It's the words of truth. And this is what we're talking about in Philippians 4. And I'm going to read it to you. Paul says, it, Paul says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about these things. So we've come, and this is my challenge for you today. This is my point, is this. Right thinking leads to right living. Right thinking will always lead you to right living. Right thinking will always put you on that path that you can go. If you're just like, what is wrong? If your life is going sideways, if your life is, fun, you're finding yourself in this place of going, what is going on with my life? I'm finding like, I'm, I'm, my, my things are going off or going sideways. Things are not going the way I thought. It's like, let's go back to what's the path you formed and what path are you following, following that is, and then you look at the path and say, did I carve that path? Or is that, is that a path that is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy? Because that's the path that God says, if I follow that path, life's going to change. If I follow that path, life's going to take a different turn. When I follow that path, suddenly I begin to see my marriage. Why are we married for 22 years? It's because I have to go. When, when I see the path that says it's easier to give up, and we say, no, we're not, because God says this about marriage. It's easy to give into addiction and look at things online and, 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 get, and get addicted to a whole bunch of other things beyond that even. It's like God says, no, you're supposed to be free in Christ. You're supposed to be free in Christ. That he who him the sons of free is free indeed. Come on, somebody. That's what we're saying. We're saying that there's a better path, there's a better way. And Paul's trying to say this in Philippians, because here's the deal. When Paul wrote this, he wrote it to the church of Philippi. Philippi is a church that they started and Philippi was the city that the Philippian church was in. Do you know what Philippi was? The Philippi was this. It was half Roman people. It was half Greek people. And then it was a tiny little sliver of church people in the middle. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, you can get the double stuffed Oreos or the triple stuffed Oreos. Now all of a sudden you got like the tiny little slab, the little slab of white Oreo. That's what it's like. You got, you got Greek, you got Roman, and you got this tiny little bit of church people that are in there that are believing in Christ. And on one side of this church, it's full of Greek, it's full of the Greeks. The Greek people in Philippi were just like this. You know what, you know what, you know what their paths they worn in the snow? Their past was worship Zeus, worship Aphrodite, worship all of these Zeus gods. You know what I mean? Hercules, let's go. You know, they're worshiping all these paths. There's a two for one idol deals at the Walmart. You can get a Zeus and an Aphrodite, two for one idols to bow down to going on. Then you have the Romans. The Romans, where the Romans were this, the Romans were, where they were much like, you guys can go ahead and worship, um, you know, Zeus and Aphrodite. Um, we're going to worship Caesar. And do you want to know what the phrase was at the time of Caesar? Their phrase was this. Their phrase was, their, their phrase was this. We worship our Lord and Savior, Caesar. They called Caesar at that time, Lord and Savior. So when you see Jesus come on the scene, and Jesus is going to walk up into the scene and Jesus is going to open, comes on and he says this, he, and, and the disciples say this, worship your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That stirred up people, particularly the Roman government, because they said, no one, no one called, there's only one Lord and Savior and that's Caesar. 
And so when Jesus comes on the scene and says, I'm the Lord and Savior, that suddenly can't, that brought the pushback. They change the thinking. They're just like, it's the Lord and Savior of Caesar. And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. Follow this path. I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna make a path. I'm gonna make a way. I'm gonna make a trail. You're gonna follow down this. And what you're gonna see now is you're gonna think differently because there's another way to live than worshiping Caesar. There's another way to live than worshiping the Greek gods. There's another way to live and it's Jesus. And not only do you worship them, but you're gonna, there's a way to live that comes with that. That's, pra- that's true, praiseworthy and all these other things. That's right, it's honest, it's life-giving. So here's my challenge for us. My challenge is this. We said already, right thinking leads to right living. So right thinking to right living mindset shifts. Here's a couple mindset shifts as we get ready to close here. Ready? Give your attention to the right things. That's the first point. If you wanna have right living, you gotta get your focus and your attention off the wrong things and put them on the right things. Because you know what has your attention today? Here's what has your attention today. As I, I can tell, because when I go to my kids, they go, kids, dad's home. I'm waiting for that hug. And my daughter's like, that's cool, dad, thanks. You know, my son is just like, yeah, man, hold on, dad. I just got, I got I'm talking to my friend. He's got his big headphones on because he's playing Xbox downstairs. You know what I mean? I'm just like, what happened to the welcome that I used to get as a hardworking father taking care of my family, toiling all day? What's going on? And all of a sudden, my kids are like, because you know what's got their attention? I don't got it. You know who's got the attention? Xbox, cell phone got the attention. It's got, um, you know, Instagram got the attention, Facebook. Everything's getting the wrong attention. And that's the battle, isn't it? There's a war happening for attention. Because here's the deal. Um, Gary Vee, who's, a, who's a, uh, an entrepreneur, who sometimes I'll read his stuff, he says this, what competes for your attention owns the advertising in your brain. What competes for your attention will own the advertising in your brain. So what's competing for your attention? What's Because what's, we know what it's like to, when we're supposed to love something and we lose attention. How many guys can relate to that moment like I did where I was sitting in, I was, I'm watching the Vikings get on TV. It's great. It's two hours. It's, 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 we're just starting into football season. It's great. And next time I get done watching the, the Vikings game, watching TV, and all of a sudden it's like I come, talk, come in and I talk to Heidi and she goes, well, I can't wait till Monday comes. And I go, I can't either. That's great. And she goes, I'm real excited because I'm so thank you for changing the bathroom toilet next weekend. And I go, bathroom toilet? I don't remember us talking about that. <laughs> Why? because my attention was on the TV. You know, when you get that inside out moment from Disney Pixar and your mind is somewhere else, it was actually happening. So I basically committed to a bathroom toilet redo. I agreed to lose a few pounds. I'm doing the Costco run and I'm also affirming her hair highlights weren't quite right and that she should definitely go back and redo some of her highlights. So all of that happened within two hours of a Vikings game. I'm like, what the what, what? So I just said, hey, look, here's the deal. I need, I got to make sure I keep the attention. So you got to keep, get you, and we know fix your, Jesus says this in Philippians, he says this, Jesus says, fix your attention on God, fix your eyes upon Jesus, author, perfecter, finisher of faith, right? We fix our eyes on Jesus, author, perfecter, finisher. Guess what? It's like, you know what? That's when you can't lose your touch because God is so good and so great. When you devote yourself to that, you'll see it. Another quick point, I'll say this, make room for God to whisper. That's another mindset shift. Make room for God to whisper. It's easier to hear the voice of God in the quietness than the busyness. I said it's easier to hear the voice of God in the quietness than your busyness, right? Because the strength of God is found in the quiet with God. I'm telling you, God is never heard in the chaos or heard in the noise. Or God is always found in the whisper. 
Hearing the voice of God daily in your life reminds you of who you are, what you're called to, what your purpose is. There's something powerful when God speaks to you. There's something super powerful about that. That when you're reading the Bible, when you say, I'm not going to turn on news. I'm not going to turn on scene. I'm not going to turn on Fox. I'm not going to turn on, I'm not TV. I'm not going to turn on Regis and Kelly. Not even that anymore. That's dated me. I'm not going to turn on Kelly and whoever's her host. I'm not going to turn on, on yada, yada. I'm not going to turn on the radio. I'm not going to turn on this. I'm going to go in. I'm actually going to open up. I'm going to talk to God before I talk to a person. I'm going to get the word of God before I get the words of another. Because I need that. Because that prophetic word or that moment that God says a prophetic word is the right word in the right time in the right season in the right moment. When you get that word that comes in, it does something to you. There's a scripture verse that says, that says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10, 16. Paul was running it to the Romans. Remember all, the, all their battle of worship? What he says in Romans, that word, word, that word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That word is the Greek word, rhema. And do you know what that word rhema means in Greek? It means this, the right word in the right time, in the right season, when you've quieted yourself and you said, I won't speak to somebody until I speak to God first. When I'm not going to watch any media, I'm not going to check Instagram. I'm not going to check YouTube. I'm not going to check social media, but I'm going to find out what's the one thing God has to say to me when I give him my 15 minutes before I go to, before I go to work and I go to school and I start my day with my kids. That word says, Faith comes by, by that word and that word builds you up into someone that you never knew you could be. That word is the path. You've been following this. You've been following this, but God says, no, no, no. There's the way, the truth, the life that I want to give you. That's right down this way. And that's what God says. That's why you listen to that whisper. First Kings 19 says, God is not found in the earthquake. He's not found in the fire. He's not found in the wind, but he's found in the whisper. First Kings 19, 11 through 12. Take a snapshot of that on the screen and make sure you look that up because that's a great word. Another one, quit thinking in the wrong direction. You want to know how to get a mindset? Do you want to know how to, do you want to know, do you want to know how to write, what right living leads to right thinking? Do you want to know how, another thing to do? Quit thinking in the wrong direction. And I'm, I'm focusing on this, complaining and worrying. Here's the, here's, here's the truth. Complaining moves your situation backwards, but praying moves your situation forwards. Right? complaining is going to move your situation back. You feel like you're not gaining ground. You feel like you can't find the relationship you want, the job you want, the kids you want, the, situ- the, 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 the situation is going on. What is going on in your life? It's because maybe instead of praying it forward, you're complaining it backwards. Watch out. Y'all better watch out. Because that can happen when you check yourself and what you're talking. What are your words? You're complaining. You know what I mean? I'll tell you another one. You know what worry does? Worrying moves you in circles. If complaining moves you backwards, worrying moves you in circles. Here's what I mean. Maybe you guys can relate to this. Well, if this happens, then this could happen. And if this happens, then that's going to happen. And if that happens, then this could happen. And then what about them? And what's coming? Next thing you know, you're walking in, your whole life is moving in one big circle. But God says, if complaining moves you backwards and worrying moves you in circles, praying moves you forward. And you know what? You're not, just, you're not just groping for forward. You're not, you're, you're, what moving forward does is this old path gonna keep that going in a circle. Complaining moves you backwards. If you're gonna go forward, you find the way, the truth, the life path and you put yourself in that place and you go for it. You know what I'm saying? That's what God wants. That's what God has for you. So when you do that, we need to, we need to do this. Quit thinking in the wrong direction. Put yourself in forward motion with God because God's truth will always realign you. I love these scriptures. 
Matthew 6, 34, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow take care of itself. Don't worry about it. You know, and that's, that, that's not one of these. That's not one of those. That's not one of those. Uh, guys, I hope, Jesus wasn't doing this. Guys, I hope you guys can uh, kind of, if you can kind of maybe believe this truth, uh, don't, you know, if you can not worry about tomorrow. That's not what it's about. You want to know what God, that's, that's, it's actually a command. Jesus saying this, um, excuse me, church, do not worry because tomorrow's got the problems and you can't do anything about it. So don't worry. What you want to do is God says, let's pray about everything. Take it. And when you not worry, because worrying's got that path, but I have the path that you're going to follow and it's not going to be worrying because worrying, worrying will put you right back in the circle. Here's another one that says, do not worry about anything, but in every situation, in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Start thinking in the right direction because right thinking leads to right living. That's what we're saying today. That's what we're, we're talking about today. And as the, as the keyboard comes back up, we're going to get ready to close. And maybe you're, maybe you're in here today and you're just saying, you know what? I have been thinking in the wrong direction. I'm overcome with worry. I am overcome with doubt. I am overcome with fear. I am just, I can tell I'm not gaining ground in my life. I am going backwards. All, my family that are Christian, my friends that are Christian, my church that's full of Christians, godly people, people that are following, practicing peace and love and hope and joy. They're following this path and I'm, I'm left back here going, guys, why aren't we going this way? It's because you made that path when God has got this path for you. You know what I'm saying? Because it'll do that. Because what it is, it says, listen, when you can focus, if you're, if, you're, if you're overcome with depression, if you're overcome with suicidal thoughts, if you were overcome with the situation that says identity things, that says you're not worth it, you're not valuable, you're not needed, you're not loved, you're not wanted. All of that is all of, that's not praiseworthy, I can tell you that. Those words are not life-giving. Those words are not, are not, are not um, ex ex exciting and thrilling and, and truthful and honest, no. Because God says you're needed. God says you're worthy. God says that you have what it takes. God says he has the future. I don't got a future for me. All I do is do the same job, doing the same thing. No, no, no. God says there's a future. You just got to get in the way, the truth, the life. You got to follow. Follow, follow, follow. There's a person for you. If you're waiting on someone, there's a person that's for you. But don't settle. Because everybody's going to settle and take this path. I said everybody will settle and take this path. You're not going to do it. You won't do it. You're going to follow. You're going to go the direction. Everyone says, you know what? Give up. It's not worth it. Church isn't worth it. God isn't worth it. Faith isn't worth it. I'm telling you, when Paul says, think about these things, culture will tell you to go this way, but I have the way. And as we, as we get ready to close, just bow your heads with me. I'm going to pray. And maybe you need to respond to this moment. If you would go in here and say, hey, I have been having bad thinking. My thought life is, is insane right now. I've been struggling. It's not in Jesus. It's not focused on Christ. It's, it's not pure, noble, right, true, praiseworthy, excellent. It's actually the opposite. It's untrue. It's dysfunctional. It's not worthy. It's, it lacks excellence. Whatever it is, then right now, we're gonna take, we're gonna take a moment to respond because God wants to make your life right. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And if you would say, I need to change my thinking. I need to change my thinking. It's going to come down to Jesus. It's going to start there. If you would be in here and you would say even right now, Alan, I hear the way, the truth, the life, but I don't follow the way, the truth, the life. It's hard for me, but I know I need it. I know I need it. I know I hear you saying it. And I'm willing today to take the moment to say, you know what? I need to know the truth. I want to know Christ. If, I, if he can do that for me and I'm tired of forging my own path in, in my own way, 
and I want to follow His way, then I want you to put a hand up. We had a bunch of people in the first service. Is there any in this place that would say, hey, I need Jesus today. I want to follow Him all of my days. Just slip your hand up. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you. Just want to make sure if there's anybody that would say, I need Christ to change my mind, to change my life, to be my source, to be mine. Okay. One more moment. Anybody here would say, yeah. Okay. If you would be here and you would say, this, you would say, my thinking's gone sideways. I'm moving in circles. I'm moving backwards. My attention's on the wrong thing. I need God to refocus. Let's pray for you. Would you put a hand up if that's you? Just be like, today's the day I'm refocusing. Yeah, that's you. If that's you and you, and you say, I need to redo that, that's good. Let's pray right now. Repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm tired of going in the wrong direction. I'm choosing you today. I confess with my mouth believe in my heart that you are Lord, that you're my path, that you're the way, the truth, and the life. Be my Lord and Savior and change my thinking to be true, to be good, to be praiseworthy, to be excellent, to be, to be trusting of you. I trust in you, Jesus. In Christ's holy name we pray.